praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. Um, God keeps doing great things. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, I feel good about that. Uh, we appreciate all that the Lord does for us because we don't ever want to take it for granted. We know he doesn't have to do it. So we don't pretend that he does. And we don't um, um, just set it to the side and as something that we'll think about um, later. Um, no, but no, we choose to think about that now. We choose to acknowledge that now. What God does for us, he does not have to do. So we are immensely um, grateful for what the Lord does. Now, we thank God for bringing us back together. We've been having a wonderful um, study here. Um, we are going to go ahead and uh, get back into um, our topic of spiritual debt collectors. We praise the Lord uh, for giving us this, uh, for giving us this word. Um, and um, and um, hopefully you've been able to use this. Let's begin with our scripture. Uh, we are in the book uh, we're in the book of uh, Matthew. We are looking at um, chapter 18, and uh, we'll go ahead and start reading um, the scripture, and we'll take it all the way. Um, uh, we're, to, we're we're from 23 to uh, uh, to 35. So we're in Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to start at verse 23, and we're going to go all the way to verse 35. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity? on thee and his lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from forgive not everyone his brother their may the lord have a blessing to the reading um to the hearing and um, especially the doing of his word. As we say um, um, 
and have said in times past that we keep, we're going to keep saying it. The blessing is in the obedience. Listen, there is a blessing in hearing the word and just listening to it. Okay. Um, there's a blessing in reading the word. Okay. But the fullness of the blessing will never be felt, never be experienced until you become obedient to the word. You have to transition, my brother, you have to transition, my sister, you must become a doer of the word. It is just simply not enough. It's not enough to just uh, recite the word. It's not enough to just speak the word. The word has power and there is power in the spoken word. I don't want you to misunderstand that. There is absolute power in the spoken word. But the spoken word works when we use it, okay? Now, I'm not talking when God. God is power. God is his word, okay? He's one and the same. When God spe speaks, it it's going to happen. But, but let's, let's talk about me and you for just, for just a moment. There is power in the word of God when we speak it. The word of God is meant to be spoken, amen? But you have to understand something. That power is not activated, so to speak, or is not accessible. Though the, there's power in the word, you and I won't be able to speak it and experience that power if we don't have a life of obedience to the word, okay? Your lifestyle matters, what you do and how you act and where you go in, in, um, as, uh, in, 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 in light of what the scripture tells us to do and where the scripture tells us to go and where the scripture um, and how the scripture tells us to act. What you do in response to the instructions of the word of God, they absolutely matter. I want you to hear that. I hope, and I want you to know that don't, and to please don't leave this on the cutting room floor. It matters. You want to be able to, when you speak the word, <clears throat> you want to be able to experience that power. You want to be able to see that, that, that power go forth. Well, you're not going to be able to use the word and invoke that power, okay, if you're not obedient, because the power is God himself. It's in him. And so when we speak the word, you got to understand this, when we speak the word, okay, our faith is at a caliber is of a nature that when we speak the word, our expectation is, is that God is going to honor that word and, and that God is going to perform what, what we say. It's not so much that he's performing what we say, because remember, when we're speaking the word, we are saying what he already said. So we're speaking what the Lord Jesus Christ has already spoken to us, okay? When we speak his word in faith, our expectation is, is, is that he's going to bring it to pass. He's going to honor it. He's going to keep his word. So when I speak declaratively regarding a situation in the name of Jesus, maybe I'm praying for healing. Maybe I'm praying for restoration. Maybe I'm praying for something else. But when I am speaking it with, uh, with, uh, with authority, so to speak, or I am declaring the word of God and my faith is mixed in there. So it's companioned with what I'm the words that I am speaking. 
there's a check that happens when those two things are in, are in place. God checks to make sure you are obedient, that you are, he, that you are in line with his word. You can't just use the word any kind of way. You can't, you can't, well, let me say it this way. You can't live any kind of way and then talk about you're going to use the word. It's not going to happen. It's not going to, you, you, you may use it. Okay. And God may bless some folks and bless some things in spite of you, but you yourself, you're not going to be blessed. You're not going to experience the, 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 the fullness of what God has until you have a life and uh, a, a lifestyle of obedience to the word of God. You'll be surprised, brothers and sisters, how many people get hung up right there in the area of obedience. It, they love God. I've met many people who they, they love God and they, and, and they want to be able to use the word, but they don't understand why they seem to be stuck in gear, like a stick shift car. And it's just kind of stuck in gear. You can't get it to move into another gear. They can't quite figure out why they are stuck in gear. Why does the word seem to not work for them? I'm speaking it. I'm this. And I, I, you know, I, I believe in God. I believe that God is real. Well, guess what? Believing in God and believing that he's real is not enough. No, faith without works is dead. This is what James told us. And it's time that we go back to understanding and, and not dismissing that. Faith without works is dead. You cannot, it doesn't work. The word does not work in the hands of some people because their hands are dirty. Their hands are unclean. Their lifestyle is contrary. They have no intention of obeying the word of God. They want to mix the word of God with their own ideology. They want to do some of what God says while retaining much of what God, much of what God has tried to save them from or with desires to save them from. In other words, they don't want to let go of the old man. And because of that, you don't understand. It doesn't work. No man can love two masters. You're going to either love one or hate the other. This is what Jesus talked about. He taught us these things. And as long as you keep whoever you are listening to this, wherever you are, because somebody will listen to this and somebody will hear this. As long as you keep trying to straddle the fence and play on two different teams, when it comes to this life, you are going to come up short. You are going to be devoid of power and you are going to be sitting there wondering why things are not working for you. See, you damage your own faith when you are disobedient. When you refuse to, to obey the word of God, you're hurting your own self because you are putting yourself in situations where when you get when you when you come to a, 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 a crossroad of life and you really need something to happen, you begin to speak the word and try to speak the word. You muster up this faith and you muster up these things and you try to speak the word and then nothing happens. Why? Because you're playing with God. And as long as you keep playing games with God, trying to live your way Monday through Saturday, and then on one day of the week, Sunday or whatever, then all of a sudden you want to be, you want to be hyper holy and you want to have this relationship with God. You can't fake a relationship with God that you do not have. If you listen, if you do not obey the word of God then you don't have a relationship with God. Do you, do you hear what I'm, I hope you hear what I'm, what I'm telling you. 
I'm not saying you're not related to God. I'm not saying God has not done something for you. But what I'm saying is, is that that relationship, okay? Imagine a friendship. You, you're making friends, right? How does the friendship grow? As you talk and as you communicate and as you respect one another, right? As those things take place, the relationship, the friendship grows. It is the same thing. When God saves you, it's not done. You are not done. It does not stop there. God is now willing. God is, listen, you are now in alignment with God's will. And now the relationship can be built. The relationship with God can only be built on obedience to God. If God has saved you, but you are continually disobedient. Let me tell, I'm going to put it plain for you. Number one, you're in danger of losing your salvation because the scripture teaches that. The Bible says that the soul that sinned, it shall die. And he's not playing that. God is not going to keep anybody that does not want to be kept. That you have never seen that in the scripture. God's not going to put you in a headlock and drag you to heaven kicking or screaming. No, you start kicking and screaming and you do that enough. Guess what? He's going to let you go where you want to go. He's going to let you have all of that. If you keep disobeying the word of God and trying to do things on your own, listen, it God, you may have obeyed in the beginning and God saved you. Filled you with the Holy Ghost. But when God gives us his spirit, it is for the purpose to lead us and guide us into further righteousness. Now, that happens when we say, yes, Lord, to your will. See, some of you, some of us say, Lord, yes to salvation. Yes to what you want to do. Initially. But we say no to the way of God, meaning the continued lifestyle. And the scripture is very plain. The one that's going to be saved is going to be the one that endures to the end. And the Holy Ghost is to help you and I endure to the end. That's what he does. That's what God's spirit does. God will keep you if you want to be kept. But God's going to only tolerate it, tolerate foolishness and ridiculousness for so long. He saved your soul. And it's not enough to just obey him up to the point of receiving salvation. You got to continue, continually obey. You can't keep yourself. And when I say these things, it's not to say or to suggest. That you somehow, that, that listen, that your salvation is based on your own strength. It's absolutely not. It's by grace. Through faith. But you got to keep the faith. You hear what I'm telling you? You want to stay in grace? You better, you got to keep the faith. Now, a lot of people don't like that. Because they love a Mickey Mouse doctrine. They love a Candyland doctrine. The one that tells them, oh, once saved, always saved. That's ridiculous. That's not in the scripture. When in the scripture from the Old Testament to the New, did God ever allow a person that was doing the right thing 
to be blessed and get all the benefits of having done the right thing one time while they abandon the right way or the way of holiness and turn to sin. You don't see that. And scripture teaches against that. And, and, and newsflash for some of us who fancy ourselves to be maybe um, doctors and theologians or whatever else it is and whatever you want to call yourself, you know, have fun with the titles. That's all good. Okay. Guess what? Jesus is God. And the word says that God does not change. And if God didn't tolerate it in the Old Testament, you got to understand. I know this is trouncing on somebody's theology, but you need it trounced on. If he didn't let you get away with it in the Old Testament, Jesus didn't come so that you could now get away with it in the New Testament era. That's that's this nonsense. So you got to so God, listen, God doesn't change. Okay. And he didn't change just because he came to save your sin, save you from your sin. He didn't change. Jesus is still God. There's still only one God. We needed a savior. So he became that savior for us. Why did he do it? Because he didn't want you to do it. He wanted to give you a second chance. But yet and still, some things had to be paid for. What had to be paid for? Sin had to be paid for. So what did he do? He took it upon himself to do everything that was needed in order to give you a second chance so that you could live In companionship with him. That's what he did. That's what he did. And it's only going to happen. And you're only going to experience the blessing circling back. You're only going to experience the depth of the blessings of what God wants to do for you. If you yourself will be obedient to the word of God. Amen. Amen. Now. I love when God gives us uh, something to segue into and, and he takes us um, to different places. Somebody who was, is going to listen to this definitely needed to hear that. And those of you who've already heard it or are already aware of it, it's good to be reminded of it. So I thank the Lord for every um, segue that he gives us. But now as we continue um, in our scripture, when last week um, we said that we were going to um, talk about something. So we discussed a lot of different things. We know um, about when it comes to this concept of spiritual debt collecting. And we now know that it's, we, we don't, it's not a strange phenomenon to feel for a person that, um, um, you know, to have the feeling of wanting to be paid back. We, we discussed all of that. And we, and, um, and in particular, we discussed that how, you know, when someone has taken from you, um, whether, and, 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 and um, it's not always in the literal physical sense, but it's, it's those intangible things, so to speak, um, when we, when we, um, when we um, do wrong by our brothers and sisters, especially on purpose, when we, when we, when we voluntarily mistreat and we, and we bring, um, um, and we trap, we commit trespasses against one another, we bring things to the plate or to the table for our brother and sister that, um, you know, that, that doesn't feel so good, hurt and anguish and disappointment and rejection and all of these sorts of things. And we said that, you know, ultimately this, you know, our brother and sister can, um, they'll feel like a debt collector, like they want to be paid back because at the, because more, um, because many times when, when you commit a uh, trespass against 
um, someone against your brother or your sister um, purposefully, or you'd really do wrong um, um, by them. Um, and it can even happen when you um, unintentionally do it. Um, but we're talking more so right now about those who purposely do it and, and heaven and, and no one listening to this and should, should be, be one of those people. And if you are, you need to turn back now. Okay. Don't, don't, don't get in the habit of just doing people wrong because you, you don't, you're not feeling your best. Okay. You need to, you, you got to understand that you don't have a right to just treat people wrong. And somebody need to hear, somebody need to hear this. Listen, men, you don't have the right to just treat people wrong because you're having a bad day or things are not going your way. I, you, you hear what I'm telling you? You don't get to do that. Women, you don't have a right to just treat people wrong because you're having a bad day. Maybe it's your time of the month or something like that and your, and your hormones are all out of whack. Guess what? That does not give you permission to mistreat nobody. Ugly is still acting ugly, whether it's hormonal or not. Somebody need to hear that. Somebody need to hear that so you can stop using that excuse, thinking that that's okay. No, it's not okay. Listen up, man. It's not okay just because stuff didn't work out for you. For you to go around just treating people any way that you want to. You don't get to talk to anybody that you any way that you want to. You don't get to do all of that. You don't get to invoke your will on people just because you think it's your time. No, it's not your time. No, you don't get to do these things. Men and women, for various reasons, we sometimes take liberties that we, uh, with our brothers and sisters that we should not do. And it ends up hurting our brothers and sisters. We got to learn to value one another. And it's time to take responsibility for your own actions. You don't get a, you don't get a pass. Nobody gets a hall pass on this. Acting ugly is still acting ugly. Walking in sin is still walking in sin. God's not going to give you no pass on that. You're not going to give me a pass on that. So if God Almighty is not getting ready to hook you up with a pass, why don't you stop trying to sell that to your brother and sister? That's disrespectful. All you're doing is adding salt to the wound. You're already messed up. And then when you try to explain it by saying, well, you know, I just don't feel that good. That don't mean nothing. And when you apologize, apologize for real. No excuses, just own what you've done, regardless of what it was, whether you weren't feeling the, the best or whatever, just own it and apologize. Do your best to make amends, God. Do your best to explain. If they ask you for explanation, that's one thing. But if they don't ask you for explanation, just apologize and go on. Sincerely, okay? Don't go through the motion. <laughs> I think we got to say that. Go, don't go through the, the through the through the motions, but but be real and, and apologize for real. But when nevertheless, when we lead some when we when we bring these things to people, to our brothers and sisters, sometimes trespasses take the form of theft. And 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 a person will feel as though you have taken some things from them, like their innocence and 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 their self-respect, maybe their dignity. 
Maybe you've robbed someone of their of their time. They were really set time aside to really try to try to help you and all these things. But you were you're just kind of jiving around and not playing and not not being serious or whatever. And 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 all of the time and effort and resources that a person went in in order to try to set stuff up for you, you just you just kind of blew them off and just didn't show up or didn't do that. Listen, no, no, you hurt people when you do that. When people go out of their way to do things for you and, and you don't appreciate that, that, you know, that a person can feel like, man, you didn't rob them of their time. Why? Because they feel like, man, I could have been doing something else or helped someone else that may have actually wanted, wanted. And then you, you, you feigned as though you wanted it. You pretended to act as though you wanted it or you this, that, and the other, but then you just kind of blew it off. See, these are areas that, that things that we can do where we can hurt people. When you don't show up like you're supposed to, and when you don't speak when you when you're supposed to, when you don't, when you, when you, when you sideline your responsibilities, you can hurt people, especially if they're counting on you. You do damage to people because you say that you don't care when you do these things. I know this is basic stuff, but you know what? We need down home preaching, down home teaching. We need the we need the word of God put right where it is, just right in the center of the target, right where folks is living. For somebody, your biggest problem right now is that you keep blowing people off. Good, honest people are trying to help you. And you keep treating it and treating them as though they're supposed to help you. And so you don't take responsibility. You don't take accountability. And you do what you want to do. And you say to yourself, it'll be tomorrow. I'll catch up with them. I'll follow. No. Do your best to honor your commitments, especially if someone is putting their time aside to help you. These things and, and other things, they rob people. They rob people. And so these folks will feel as though you owe them a debt. They'll feel at times like, you know what? No, I want, I, I want retribution. I want to be paid back. I want to be paid back. And we learned that that's, it's natural to feel that way. But God put in, as we said, fail safes, put mechanisms in place to protect us, to help us, to guide us when we start to feel those ways because we can quickly spin out of control and God doesn't want you to do that. Let me talk to the person who's offended for, for, for just a moment. The Bible still teaches to be angry, but said not. You have a right to be frustrated and mad and angry, but you've got to obey the word and make use of the precautions and the protections in the scripture that God has placed, especially when you have a right to be mad, because it's a thin line between right and, un right and wrong. See, it's one thing to be right, it's another thing to be righteous. They're not the same thing. They're not always, they don't always, sometimes they line up, but they don't always equate to the same thing. Why? Because this world has its own version of right. And the world's version of right always goes counterclockwise to God's version of right, which results in true righteousness. You can have a case 
you can have a legitimate warrant to feel the way that you that you do and 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 you know but but the world will take it a step further and say not only do you have a right to feel the way that you feel but you have a right to 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 respond this and that sort of way but it's those responses that often lead us into sin because the way the world tells us to handle some things is not the same way I know it's hard when you've been offended and especially when you won't, when, when things, the intangible things have been taken away from you, but the Lord can restore the years that the locusts and the canker worm have eaten and just destroyed. God can put things back the way they were. While at the same time, taking you a step beyond, taking you further beyond. Some of you don't yet know the strength you can have in the Lord. I know for some of you, the hurt is so fresh, you feels like it's never going to stop raining. But listen, it is going to stop raining. And I can say that as a matter of fact, if especially if you are obeying the word of God, if you will obey the word of God and not take the fact that things are not the way that you want them, if you will not use those as an excuse to disobey and take a break from following the word of God, I want to tell you that God will deliver you. I want to tell you that you can count on seeing God's goodness. David said, I will look to the hills from which cometh my help. All my help and all my strength, they come from the Lord. I'm trying to tell you that God is the Calvary. And if you will do what you're supposed to do, you can count on him coming to your rescue. The hurt and the anguish and the things that people have left you with. And, and as a result, that they have robbed you and the things they have robbed you of self-respect and dignity and maybe even innocency by the way they've acted and responded. I know that it leaves you feeling away, but Jesus can change the way that you feel. He can change your outlook. If you will commit, if you will just continue to say, Lord, yes to your will and yes to your way, even though you don't feel like it. The Lord is going to make good. The Lord is going to restore. The Lord is going to put back. The Lord is going to show up. The Lord is going to stand on your behalf. The Lord is going to speak for you. The Lord is going to fight for you. The Lord is going to deliver you. The Lord is going to heal. I'm telling you. And I know it's difficult to, to sometimes feel that, but, but you got to get your way back there. You got to make your way back to that, to that place because God is faithful. He doesn't give his word to break his word. All he asks is that you continue to follow him and believe. That's all you got to do. You don't have to make any, listen, that all you got to do is be willing. And God, and listen, and God will help you with the rest. He will. So it's normal to feel, yeah, like I want to be paid back. But you got to be careful because the word of God says in the book of Ecclesiasticus or the book of Sarah, it's in chapter 28, verse one says, he that revengeth shall find vengeance from the Lord and he will surely keep his sins in remembrance. Oh, it's important. 
it is important to make sure that when you're hurt and disappointing and you become angry, that you do not take matters into your own hand. The world says fight fire with fire. The word says, you know what I'm saying? They did, they did you wrong, get them back. That's what the world says. But the word, not the world, the word says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Do you, are you, I, let me, you might, you might've missed that. What the Lord is telling you is literally, he's telling you, listen, my son, listen, my daughter, <laughs> I know they did you wrong, but listen, don't even dirt, don't even sully your hands. Don't even dirty yourself with, you know, with the thought of lifting a finger to retaliate. Don't even dirty yourself with all that. I'll take care of all that. That's what he's telling you. When he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. He's saying, listen, I know you feel, I know you want to get back. I know you want to get even, but I don't, but don't even, don't listen. I, I want you to look at that like that's beneath you. Acting that way, retaliating that way is beneath me. I'm not going to even dignify that by getting my hands dirty with it. Why? Because my God, my father is taking care of it. He's going to take handle all that business. I ain't even got to waste my time getting dirty behind it. Why? Because my God is going to take care of it. That's the attitude. That's the mind said brothers and sisters that he wants you to have. I know this is, this is very practical. This is not smoking. This is not, uh, you know, $15 million words and all that other kind of stuff. We don't need any of that. We don't need any of that. You, the word got to be plain so that you can use this every day. You got to see what the word is saying. Is the word supporting what you're doing? Is it denouncing it? You need to see that. You need to see it plainly. You don't need somebody. It's, listen. <laughs> if you have bad breath. What and and you and 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 you've had it to where you you've become immune to it, so you don't you can't tell it yourself. Man, it's a blessing if a loved one, someone who respects you and cares about you, put, takes you to the side and offers you a breath or a breath mint or or says or or brings it to your attention, so that you can take care. Especially if they know you're getting ready to be in front of a bunch of different people or in an area where that might be offensive for someone to take the concern and the care to try to alert you and help you get where you need. You hear what I'm telling you? Is it comfortable? No, nobody want to hear that. Oh man, my breath is stinking or something like that. Nobody want to hear any of that. Just because you didn't want to hear it, given what you got going on, you hopefully you will concede that you need to hear it. And those things, and 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 though it's a it can sometimes be a bitter pill to swallow, right? It's more than doable when it comes on from the hands of someone that's operating in love. God doesn't want you to lose your ability to operate in love. So the scripture goes so far as to tell us, overcome evil with good. No, notice, he didn't say fight fire with fire. No, no. In essence, he said fight fire with water. Overcome evil with good, not overcome evil with evil. Do you hear what I'm saying? You got a fire? Don't add more fuel to it. Add more oxygen and more <laughs> dry grass and everything. Come on. No, 
Go get you a water hose. And drench that thing. Get that all the way <laughs> soaked. You'll get a lot further with putting out that fire than adding gasoline to it or some kind of oil-based substance. That ain't going to help you. You're going to make it worse. You're going to make it burn hotter. Do you hear what I'm telling you? These are, this is just good practical, this good practical teacher, things that we need to know. But what happens if the person can't, even though you have a right to be paid back, and we know that you have a right, because why? Theft is still outlawed, brothers and sisters. Exodus 20, 15, thou shalt not steal. And we went through Matthew 19 and 18 and Romans 13 and 9, and we even looked at Ephesians 4 and 28, all of these different things. What do they all tell us? Don't be stealing. Don't take. And that doesn't mean just the tangible thing. Don't take anything. So listen, if your behavior, if the way that you're acting and you're treating one another is robbing a person from those things, though, that, that peace and, and that security and that safety and all of these different things, do you hear what I'm telling you? No. Husbands, God didn't call you to be violent towards your wives physically or verbally. He didn't call you to do that. Wives, God didn't call you to be, be, be abusive to your husband physically or, ver or verbally. He didn't call you to do that. Both types, physical and verbal, leave their own types of damage and, and scars, and they can all, both versions, can end up taking from a person. Parents, God didn't tell you to go abuse your children and just beat them into the ground. Parents, God didn't tell you, to, you know, to, to always have a negative critique over your children and never build into them and never build their self-esteem and self-worth and self-value, but always demean and tear them down just because your parents tore you down or didn't build into you. You're supposed to do better. So do better. Everything that you was raised with might not have been good. But brothers and sisters, we don't keep to the old landmarks as the word teaches us. We don't keep to the old landmarks by repeating the past mistakes. You take the good of your parents, if there's anything at all to be good, and you build upon it. And everything that wasn't good, you leave it on the cutting room floor. Why? Because you've been delivered in the name of Jesus. You don't need that no more. You are not held and bound and anesthetized by your past. How can God be God if he's not greater than your past? He is greater than your past. So let him be greater for you and let him take you to another place, the place of forgiveness, the place of peace, the place where you can sidestep the mistakes of grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad if they haven't always behaved themselves. Some folks have really good parents, but some don't. And some don't, but there are lessons to be learned. 
from all parents, good or bad. Even if from the bad ones, the lessons that are learned are what not to do. There's value even in that. Nevertheless, you are not bound and pigeonholed, doomed to repeat the mistakes of mom and dad. That generational curse, get that trash out of here. You are going to rise and fall on the strength of your own obedience and disobedience because God will respond accordingly. See, God going to make a final determination on where you going and what the criteria he's going to use is the word that what he spoke and the standard that he going to measure up, but that's going to measure you up to the word is obedience. Obedience is the standard. Just is. It just is. I know, again, this is practical stuff. But this is stuff you can, this stuff you can chew on. Stuff that'll help you. Stuff that you can share. And I hope you do share this and you find somebody to share this stuff. Don't take these lessons and just keep them for yourself. That's not what it's for. That's not what it's for. They're to help guide your Bible study and your own personal study. They're to help lead you closer to the Lord. They're to help you see the different nuances and colors and shades and, and flavors and all of the different things that are in the Lord that you may not have noticed. I'm just showing you different areas that in God that you may not have seen. But please understand, my role, my task is to bring these things to your attention. But God has no desire for it to stay right there. This is brought to your attention so that, with, so that you would take the next step and that you will go further, further in your own Bible study. You use this as a guide to help make sure you're going in the right direction or to help you see some things that you may not have seen. But the relationship is not with me. The relationship is with God. I don't replace God. I don't, listen, I ain't even a poor stand-in. I just ain't a stand-in. Nope, not qualified. But God is, you know what? God is qualified to be God. He most certainly is. And he's worthy. And he's worth your obedience if you will give that to him. Give him that obedience today. Start deciding that, you know, I'm, you know, this is going to be a different, this is going to, I'm going to go in a different path. I'm going to start obeying the word of God. Stop being opinionated. Stop arguing with everybody. Stop arguing with everybody. Stop fighting against everybody. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to see some things that other people don't see in the word. Refrain from getting so frustrated and taking the attitude that, you know what, everybody's lost but me. No, 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 no. We all were once lost, but now we're found. Song says we're blind, but now we see. Amazing grace, right? God's grace is amazing. God's grace is amazing. But you know what happens sometimes, even with all of these things? And even though we know the, you know, the theft is outlawed and 
and and we know that yeah, there's you know it's normal to feel like you want to be paid back. If we kind of circle back here, let's let's move a little bit further, see where we can go. And yeah, you're gonna feel, and so we can now understand why and can see why some people you know are, are they feel like they want to be paid back, like somebody owes them something, you know, and that's not a far fetched feeling, not at all. Because according to scripture, if someone takes something from you involuntary, a trespass or a crime has been committed against you. And in such cases, well, the scripture teaches that, you know, the thief owes you. And the thief owes you not only to be paid back, but with interest. Now, that's what it is. He, he does owe you. So, so it's natural to feel that way. But you know what? But what, what happens, though? What happens? Because this is where a lot of people derail. This is where a lot of the offended derail the offender we talked a little bit last week we talked about from the offenders standpoint last week but we won't retread that but for the offended this is where this is where the offended constant tends to derail because what if the offender cannot pay you back they did steal from you they did take from you they do owe you plus interest but they're unable to pay. What do you do when you have a right to be paid? Yet cannot be paid because that's a very real scenario. <clears throat> debt payment or debt repayment, debt cancellation debt collection debt forgiveness etc etc have always been central these themes have always been central to God's overarching plan for mankind. A lot of people don't realize that. That debt repayment and cancellation, collection and forgiveness and all of these different things. They have always been central. They have always been a part of God's overarching plan for mankind. Because if you look closely, these very concepts and these very themes reside at the very heart of the gospel. The message that saves you and I today when we put faith in it, when we mix that faith with it. See, it was that it was the object, forgiveness and debt cancellation. They were the objects of our Lord's relentless pursuit of Calvary. That's why he kept going. Debt repayment, debt cancellation, debt forgiveness. It was the object of his relentless pursuit of Calvary. It was the at one time hidden part or hidden point rather of the cross. 
debt repayment, debt cancellation, debt collection, debt forgiveness. At one time, they were the hidden, they were the hidden point of the cross, the whole reason behind the cross. This repayment, this, this cancellation of debt, this, this collection, this forgiveness of, of, of debt, it was the it was it was they were the very items purchased in exchange for the sinless blood of Jesus Christ. That's how central this thing is. That's how critical it is. That's how deep this thing goes. Therefore, brothers and sisters, if you really think about it, the gospel message at its highest level, if we take the gospel message and we look at it from the 10,000 foot level, so we zoom all the way out and look at this thing, this the, the gospel message that we have, the virgin birth, the life, the death, the burial, resurrection, of Jesus Christ, the ascension, his eternal reign, all these things. If we, if we, if we zoom the microscope out and get a whole, a holistic view of this whole thing as much as we can, then what you discover is, is that at its highest level, the gospel message is, in fact, the declaration of debts both paid in full, yet completely canceled. It is the message of debts completely collected, yet completely forgiven. Amen. Somebody know what it means when we say Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Look at Isaiah 53, and let's look at verses four through seven. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth look at Isaiah 53 and look at verse 10 and 11 yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. I told you at the, that's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of it. It is a declaration of debts, both paid in full yet completely canceled. Debts collected satisfactorily yet completely forgiven. The practice, brothers and sisters, of canceling another's debt is a God-instituted practice. 
It's not something you're coming up with. I want you to hear me, especially the one who, who's struggling with that. Because in essence, if you haven't figured out where we're going, God's telling you to let it go. But I have a right. Yeah, God know you got a right. But he's telling you to let it go. But Lord, I've been done wrong. You say, yeah, I know. But I'm telling you to let it go. Do you hear what I'm telling? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I see it. Yeah, I understand it. But do you hear Jesus saying, but a new commandment, a new commandment I give you. I got a new one for you. You got to love your brother. You got to love them. You got you to gotta, you gotta love them. The practice of canceling another's debt is a God-instituted practice. Now, I told you before that there were some other scriptures that we're going to bring in, especially in the book of Deuteronomy. And we're going to continue with that. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, and I want you to look at verse 1 and 2. Because the practice of canceling another's debt is a God-instituted practice. And we want to take some time to look at that practice. And as a matter of fact, my brothers and sisters, let's, why don't we do this? Because we're getting late um, on in the hour and we're just about up on time. Why don't you stick a pin in Deuteronomy chapter 15? Um, we'll pick it up next week. We will look at verses one and two, and we will wrap up our lesson um, on next week. We're going to next week talk about this practice, uh, debt cancellation practice um, from God's perspective. We said today it was instituted by God. God instituted that practice. And so next week, we're going to look at that practice and we're going to um, discuss that um, at length, and we will wrap up the series on next week. So this is, has been lesson number six. It's been a wonderful one. I hope you've been blessed by it. We will pick up next week, um, and we will finish up this uh, topic of spiritual debt collecting or debt collectors, God willing. Brothers and sisters, have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Until next week, God bless you. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here. Mm -hmm. Thank you.